You haven't heard the message yet. So uh, let's turn in our Bibles or your worship folders to Psalm 90. And just, just to, to keep you from being distracted, it looks like your speaker has, a, has a, like, a, like a bullet hole in his head. See this, 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 does it look like? You're wondering, has it gone all the way, has it gone straight through? No, it is just, um, it's, a, um, it's a biopsy for uh, a basal cell carcinoma, which is pretty common for kids who grew up uh, in the sunshine. Jeff, when did we have our first one? We, we saw each other. You've had numerous ones. So that's our future, isn't it? It's very treatable. Yes, we did. We just ran, each other, ran, ran into each other in the clinic. So, um, so that's just so just in case you... And it's actually a perfect... The speaker's in the perfect condition to present you a, a Psalm 90. It's the oldest psalm in the Bible. Um, it, is, um, it is written by Moses. If you see the, the inscription, if you take a look, at it, it says, the, A prayer of Moses, the, uh, the man of God. I have grown to love him. I can't wait to meet him someday. Uh, he, was the, he was the murdering failure with a speech impediment who had a major uh, anger management problem, uh, was, was, was dragged, dragged into ministry again after 40 years of, of uh, hiatus. And it took a burning bush to get him back into ministry uh, to lead God's people into the, uh, the, to the board, to, out, of, out of captivity into the, um, uh, onto the borders of the promised land. And so uh, it's, it's just an amazing uh, piece of literature. It's magisterial. It's, it's, it's a gorgeous poetry. It's my pleasure to, to bring it to you. Um, it, it, it actually will, will serve, uh, I think, in a, uh, I'm hopefully a helpful way for us. It'll answer three, uh, three questions that anybody should have really good answers to. Uh, the first of all, first one is, uh, is why do I die? The second one is, is there uh, any possibility of meaning in the face of my mortality? And um, uh, is there hope beyond the grave? And so uh, the, 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 first, the first question, why do I die? Why am I going to die? Um, is so terrifying that um, according to... Um, uh, uh, Ernest, Ernest Becker, you could take a look at, uh, at the quote that I put, to, put in the worship folder. Ernest Becker, in his Pulitzer Prize-winning book, uh, The Denial of Death, says that, that, that our impending death uh, is so terrifying that we develop what's called character armor. We develop this, this we become our own heroes, our causes we projects, our own um, char- character armor that, um, that keeps us from the inevitable reality of our own death. We, we, build, um, we build projects, we, we throw ourselves into our vocations, we build families, we get missions, projects, whatever, whatever it is, whatever, whatever um, life we can, whatever fortress we can construct to keep us from the inevitable reality that someday we're going to lose it all. Uh, the person who put together, put together Amazon Prime, he'll lose everything. The one who put, who's putting missiles into, into the sky, SpaceX, he will lose everything someday. And because of the panic of that, um, we, we, um, we develop these, these fortresses. It's only when 
our lives become houses of cards. Maybe later on in our lives, or maybe when our, when our lives begin to fall apart, that we really begin to realize the fact that anything that we put together in our lives, it's all going to go away, including our own life. And so this text will really give us fabulous answers to those three questions. I think, I think that, that, that he's, 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 the, he's God's first intercessor, Moses, the first great intercessor for God's people. And I think it was because it was so, uh, so depressing, that the first question. He, he loads this up with tremendous hope in the beginning of the answer to question three in the first two verses. Let's take a look at it. I'm reading the, the NIV. Um, and so you're going to be looking at, I think it's uh, the um, English uh, translation. Uh, um, so it's okay. Um, I, I think you'll be able to, in fact, enjoy the differences and see the, the nuances in each of the translations. He starts out with saying, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Let's just pray for him. Lord, we have just read some of the most magnificent pieces of poetry ever written about you. And we're grateful that you, you start this, this, this text off with not giving us a theology lesson, but giving us this marvelous connection between the fact that our everlasting God is our everlasting home. And we're grateful that you are the place where we can come to for the sense of belonging, the sense of acceptance, the sense of validation. That the everlasting God has become the everlasting home to his everlasting people. We're grateful for the hope that you've already given us in this text, and we pray that as we go through it, the firestorm of the next section and the glory of the, of the, the section after, that you would bring us to a point of marvel at what you have accomplished for us in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So Moses did receive instructions for a tabernacle to build a house for God. But it doesn't say that here. It, says, it doesn't say God is in residence. It says God, our residence. It's where the people of God live. And as I prayed, it's just a glorious thing to, be, to begin this text with the hope of the fact that the everlasting God is an everlasting home for his everlasting people. Now we get to the hard part. I think he gave this it's just to keep his, his worshipers from clinical depression. Now watch what happens next, next. In, in, verse, in, in verse 3. Why do we die? Verse 3. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. The reason why we die is because God said so. He says, die, and you die. Now, interesting, he's beginning to imply that it's just not that simple. If you take a look at the words here, men, men is Adam in Hebrew. Uh, it is a word for man, but it's also the, the name of the first man, Adam. Also, the, the, the reference to dust, even though in the Hebrew it is a more severe term than the term used in Genesis 3, you need to turn there now to Genesis chapter 3. He's, he's, he's referencing the fall of mankind. 
So it wasn't just some arbitrary thing that God did to say, well, I'm going to let you live and then, I'm going to, and then I'm, you're going to die. It was, it was, it was the result of, of our first parents' decision. God um, made um, man uh, the pinnacle of his creation in his image, uh, set him in a garden that he himself uh, crafted, gave him this, just this, this voluptuous place to live. Uh, his own personal presence was, was, was there walking with him in the cool of the, the garden. Gave him one prohibition. One. This, the, the, the only sacrament to show that you trust me as I uh, uh, release you into the world to innovate and create in my image and to spread my park into a theme park, planetary, the whole planet, into a theme park. That would, that would, the theme of the park is my glory. Just one prohibition. Don't eat of this tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just to show that you're going to trust me to let you know, to teach you what is good for you and bad for you, and not take that matter into your own hands. Instead, they decided to decide for them what is good for them and bad for them. And instead of trusting in God, they had trusted in the word of a creature. And the result is Genesis chapter 3. Uh, verse, um, I think it begins with verse, the last part of 17. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it. All the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you will return. Reason why we die? Because our first parents violated this one prohibition that God gave them in the garden. Why can't he do it generation after generation? Because he's the everlasting God for a thousand years in your sight or like the day, like a day that has just gone by. And here he's he is the, the Moses is the consummate defense attorney. Somehow, he, he just doesn't mince words about our situation. He continues to give picture after picture of our, of our mortality. Um, uh, in verse 5, you sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new. By the evening it is dry and withered. Remember that hot day we had this summer? It hit 113 degrees. Many of us lost our gardens in one day. Uh, that's how Moses is, describes our fleeting life. He moves from being implicit now to being explicit in verse 7. He says, now we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Um, this must have been during, he must have had in his mind the, uh, the, 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 the incident of the golden calf. Before God, before God could send Moses down with the tablets that describe for the people how to show love to their Redeemer. 
It wasn't like God said, okay, if you work really hard and trust me, I will release you from captivity. No, he releases them from captivity and then gives them ten commandments to love him with. Before they, he gets down the mountain, they, they, they couldn't wait. They couldn't wait for God's salvation. They couldn't wait for his love. They instead took matters into their own hands and traded the creator in for a creature, a golden calf. And then once they did that, they unleashed a firestorm of desire. Because once you trade the creator for the created, you just create in a heart a vacuum that cannot be filled. And they fell into orgiastic sin. Now some of, some of us rascals, some of us scoundrels understand this. We get this. We understand that, that we should be terrified by God's fury. And we understand that, he, that there's no, the, the, the incognito mode is cognito to God. He sees everything because he's all-knowing. We know that when we, when we trade in, our great Savior, our God, for the, for the created things, we create this insatiable fire of desire in our, in our hearts, and we're guilty. Others of us are nice people. You're decent, and you really don't get this. It, it's, it's the only because, it's only because you don't have a bright enough light of holiness to shine on your life. So uh, to put myself, to help me, help Rosalind actually put me through seminary, I worked as a, a, a drywall company. I was a drywall finisher. Um, and uh, we got really good. Uh, so we were, we were asked to do a 5,000 square foot home in North Dallas, a French provincial home, where we didn't did just do the seams, trowel the seams, we troweled the entire wall and ceiling. And we sanded and sanded and sanded until we thought it was absolutely perfect. And then Dan Penn, our boss, brought rented drama lights and shone the lights on the on uh, on uh, on the edge of the wall. And it was like the craters of the moon, pockmarked, scarred. And Dan said, "You know, you've got a lot more work to do." And so some of us, I think it's easy for us, it's, 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 it's easy for us to think we're not that bad. But any slight fr fraction of not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is a violation of infinite holiness. He continues, verse 9, all our, sins, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Where are you on the span? Uh, Hong Kong is 86 for women and 78 for, for women. Lifespan. We are number 40 on the list because of our horrible diet. And ours is 81 and 76. 81 for women, 76 for men. Where are you on the span? Some of you are on borrowed time. 
uh, I, I was reminded where I am. Uh, I uh, in March of, I, I hit in March, I hit the big seven zero. And um, I'm a special education teacher at Piner High, Piner High School. Work for the Santa Rosa School District, and uh, my kids are always trying to get out of work. Out of work. Um, they're not stupid. They're just they can't read, so they just they're just marvels at getting out of work. And so one of them, his, I'm changing his name, uh, Joe, said, "You know, you know, Mr. C, I've been thinking. Um, I'm at the beginning of my life, and you're pretty much at the end of yours." Thank, thank you, Joe. Thanks. I appreciate that a lot. And so, first question, why do we die? We have not loved the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have become our own teachers, deciding what is good for us and bad for us. And so, question two, is there, in, in, that, in, this, in this series, it's a, it's a firestorm of, of death. And, 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 and wrath, isn't it? In the Hebrew, it's just like, just like, and then, uh, uh, then there's something that, that flips here, turns here, marvelously that gives us hope for question two. Can we find meaning in our fleeting lives? Verse 11. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you? It's a rhetorical question. Who knows the power of your anger? Nobody, no one knows the full power of his anger. No one has given the reverence due to his wrath. You're still alive. Why didn't God kill Adam when he said he was? It was in a Hebrew. It's very emphatic. Very emphatic. In the event that you eat of the tree of knowledge, dying you shall surely die. It's an infinitive absolute. It's the most severe way that God could tell Adam what's going to happen. Why are you still alive? Given the fact that you're all fall short of the glory of God. Why are I still alive? That's the big question. Why has he kept you alive? Take a look at the next verse. Verse 12. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He's given you 25,000 days, give or take. Some he's taken a lot. To get to know him as your teacher. To get to know God. Every day you can make count by getting to know God and make him your teacher, to, to, to make, make him your instructor, to know him. He's kept you alive to know him. That is the beginning of the meaning of life. You turn from your creaturely things and you turn towards your, your creator and want to know him. The, you, you, you will not, you just can't conceive the glory of how this text ends because that's exactly what Moses did. Right after the golden calf, right after the calf, right when he, oh, you should, 
right when he risks his own life to walk God off the, off the ledge of killing all of his people, annihilating his people. Moses stood in the gap and begged God not to do it for his own glory, for his own namesake. He accomplishes that, and the first thing he says is, show me your glory, show me your glory, show me your glory. I know that you're, this is the, you're, you gave, you show me the perimeter of fire, the perimeter of your, I know there's more to you than that. I want to see it. I want to move past your fire into the deepest, shiniest, weightiest parts of you. And that's what he did. He said, okay. Okay, that's what I'll do. And so, he, he takes Moses because still the goodness of God is still life-threatening. And Moses stayed in our state. Hides him in the cleft of the rock. And then only shows his backside. And then speaks words. 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 Uh, Yahweh, Yahweh, I am, I am. The gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving their wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And so on that basis of being, have this revelation from God that he's just not anger, but he's goodness. He prays the rest for these, the people. Look at this. Look what he prays for now. Now, again, you think, well, when do we get to do something? No, the whole, find one thing that you do in this text. The second thing about finding meaning to life is to find out what God has done for you. First of all, he becomes your teacher, and then you find out what he's doing for you and has done for and will do for you, rather than what you're going to do for him next. And then look at, look at all that he asked for. for <laughs> this, is, this is just amazing. Verse 12, relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Now, really, a thousand times this word is translated repent. The prophets use this word repent. It's the three, it's shuv vav bait. Shuv. It means turn. Usually it means turning from sin to God. But in here he's asking God to repent. The, the translators couldn't go, repent, O oh God. So they had to change it to relent. But he's asking God to turn. He knows that the people are not going to turn all the time. They're not going to use every single day to get to know him. They're going to binge watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, they're going to watch football game after football game after football game after football game after football game. All weekend. One football game is okay, maybe. I don't, it's, not, it's not evil. Buffy's not even evil. It's just, you know what I mean. Do I have to say any more? We waste our days not getting to know God. So he knows this, and so he's just asking God to change, to turn your, from your anger to what you can give them. Relent on how long? Have compassion on your servants. This means basically, seriously, in Hebrew, be nice. Be nice to them. Be soft. Be tender to them. Verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. This is the Thanksgiving text. It means to sate. It's a culinary term. Satiate us with your unfailing love. 
Uh, a loose translation would, would be, they are your turkeys, stuff them with your love. And that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Oh, so this is so bland, so bland. The English is so bland. Think World Cup. Think that uh, your, your, your nation, your, your team has scored the winning goal. What you do then. That is what he's asking to happen as a result of being sated with God's unfailing love. Unfailing love. Fifteen, make us glad for as many days you have afflicted us. He's watched an entire generation die in the wilderness because of the lack of faith, trusting him. His, the far, farthest he could see was, <clears throat> um, so raise up the next generation and give them 40 years of blessing. Uh, then verse 16, may your deeds be shown to your servants and your splendor to their children. This has to do with saving deeds, saving acts. This one generation had opportunity to watch the, the, God demonstrate his supremacy over the, the Egyptian pantheon with the ten plagues. And then the Red Sea experience, parting it, letting the, 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 the people go through, and then just wiping out the Egyptian army. We want to see more of your salvation. We want to see more acts of your salvation. Uh, generations to come. And then finally, well, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon you. 17 is, is um, uh, however much goodness the everlasting holy God can give a, a human being, a group of people, we want that. That's what that means. And then finally we get to do something. Establish the work of our hands Yes, establish the work of our hands. To give us something meaningful to do. So you can, can you find meaning in the face of, more, of your mortality? Man, he's kept you alive to get to know him. To find out what he's done for you. So that you in turn can, can become, you in turn can, can have your own hands established uh, to, to engage in what he's called you to do. But there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's hidden stuff in here because the word establish is the same word that he uses to establish the heavens, establish, establish king's dynasties. It, ha, it, has, it has an eternal feel to it. Which brings us to the, our last question. Is there hope beyond the grave? And to answer that question, I can say, did God answer Moses' prayer? Did he answer Moses' prayer? Which brings us to the Gospel of John. We're taking a hiatus from it, but I'm quoting it now. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His. It had to be Jesus. Moses had to see Jesus. Anytime there's a visible in the Old Testament, it's got to be the Lord Jesus. I was reading William of Tyre, uh, 12th century monk. While I was studying for the, you know, was preparing, sure enough, he says, oh, I know, it's the Lord Jesus revealed himself to Moses. So uh, there's many, many commentators that believe the same thing. Um, the law came through Moses. Grace came through the Lord Jesus Christ. So God answers Moses' prayer. Through Jesus. 
Jesus strides back into the psalm. And he answers the rhetorical question in verse 11. Who knows the power of your anger? I do. I know that power. I know it. All the way down. Jonathan Edwards showed showed this to me. Um, The reason why the Lord Jesus' uh, 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 blood capillaries exploded and mixed with his sweat in the garden, remember that? He sweat blood. Is because uh, the Father had to show the Lord Jesus the contents of the cup. The cup was, was his, the power of his, the full force power of his wrath. Even, in, even people in hell cannot, can, cannot experience that because they're finite. They can only appro- experience God's wrath approachingly. Only the God man could experience the full cup of the, the wrath of God. And so this is what he did. And the irony is that he actually gave the reverence to God's wrath, but was rewarded with with wrath. For whom? For you. And then then throughout this, this whole beautiful, all these beautiful things are all true in Jesus. So in Jesus, God turns to sinners in love. In Christ, the the holy God becomes tender and vulnerable and soft. In Christ, we're sated with his love. We see the full dimensions of his love as he goes to the cross for us. In Christ, we have fullness of joy. And then in 15, he he extends the, the, the blessing way beyond a generation. He says in John, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting. So is there hope beyond the grave? In Christ there is. And then may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their your children. He is our salvation. He is the saving act of God, the ultimate saving act of God. Uh, he is the ultimate gift that we could ever receive from God. May the, may the favor of the Lord rest upon you. He's the ultimate gift. It's what, all that God could give us, he gave us in Jesus. And then I love this last part. So Moses prays, establish the work of our hands. In Jesus, um, you are established as the work of his hands. He's made you his creation so that you engage in in works that he's prepared for you to do. I love that in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. He's pre-planned for us to do. Why do we die? We sinned. Is there meaning beyond uh, our mortality? He's left us alive to get to know him. Is there life beyond the grave? The Lord Jesus Christ offers himself as our eternal life. And we, we, we do now get to do something. Now, we can, now the whole point is the fun part about life in Christ is that if those who put their trust in Christ is you can explore what he's pre-planned for you to do. 
So in my retirement, he's made me a, um, an ed specialist for the, for the school system, and he's given me opportunities overseas to, to, um, uh, to build, build a seminary in Kenya. And then to, to, train, to train converted Muslims from Ghana in, in Albany. Now, which is more important to the Lord? My special education responsibilities or, uh, or ministry? Man, they're both so absolutely essential to, the, to, to bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished for us. Uh, another example is a man by the name of Dupree. Uh, he, he owns a, a series of chains in uh, North Carolina, Chick-fil-A. And he's currently working with my son-in-law in Kazakhstan for him to, to put together a better business and a better witness to the Muslims in his area. What's more important, uh, Dupree's uh, management of his Chick-fil-A or, the, or his ministry in Kazakhstan? Both equally valuable in God. Um, I love the, the quote um, of, from um, Martin Luther King Jr. He says, um, it, if it falls your lot to be a, sweet, a street sweeper, st- uh, sweep streets, that's a tongue twister, I love that Moses had a speech impediment. I just love that. I stuttered so bad when I was six years old, people could not understand me. I felt so sorry for them. As they tried to, as they tried to just, just, just grind out words. It's astonishing that God called me to preach. It's a joke. It's It's amazing. Where were we? Uh, sweeps st- <laughs> streets. I'm just get past that. Uh, like M- Michelangelo painted pictures, like Shakespeare wrote poetry, like Beethoven composed music, sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, "Here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well." I'm reading this. This I'm, we're heading for the table now. I'm reading this, um, this the memoirs of, of Paul Hewson. You know who Paul Hewson is? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. He's Bono, yeah. Bono of, uh, of U2. You know, he's, he's a flaming believer. Flaming believer. And they pray before every concert. And it's the same prayer. Lord, just make us useful. Just make us useful. Father, we pray uh, that as we move to the table that you